Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. All right. Hey, everyone. Hope you're having a great morning so far. Like Stephanie mentioned, uh, we are not just continuing the Reset series. We are wrapping up the Reset series today. And really what we've been trying to do with this whole series is look at 2021 and just reset. I mean, if you're anything like me, I, I looked at last year and I'm like, I'm ready for reset. I'm like, I'm ready for things to start over. And then 2021 got here and it felt exactly the same. Like, you know what I'm saying? So uh, hopefully this series has, has shown you as we've walked through a Genesis and kind of pulled out these stories, our, our hope is that this series shows you what it looks like when we really just let our will and our control go and just submit to God and, and glorify Him. When we glorify Him, here's a, a couple things happen, right? When we glorify Him, it brings about our good, but more importantly, we glorify Him. And vice versa, when we glorify Him, it brings about our good, in whatever shape that takes. So as we wrap up this series, our hope and prayer is that you'll go out throughout the rest of this year just with, with having a reset in your heart, in your life, in your mindset, looking forward, and you submit to God's will and glorifying Him. So as we wrap this up, we're going to look at the concept of framing. This message is called Reframe. And so as we think about this concept of framing, I wanted to show you this picture. Um, I recently just came back to Facebook. I know you're looking at that. You're going, man, that guy is goofy looking. I know. I feel you. All right. So I, I recently just came back to Facebook. I'll explain why in a little bit. But um, I, I realized, hey, I need a profile picture because I don't have any recent ones of me. So uh, we went outside and we took this picture. So uh, here's the thing about this picture, okay? Uh, you guys are familiar with the concept of cropping, right? All right. So in this picture, it is like business up front because I was creating it really for business purposes, like stuff that I'm doing on Facebook. It's business up top, but down below is party time. Like down below, I am wearing, and it's hard to believe, but I'm wearing neon green shorts. I think this is July, so I'm also probably wearing flip-flops. Like if you were to see the actual picture, like th those, those colors clash so much, I sh shouldn't have been allowed outside wearing those two things. So, so yeah. Here's the thing. Framing lets us see only what we want to see. And we are so thankful for this, right? I mean, if, if you're like me, you've been on Zoom more than ever in your life this past year, whether it's a Zoom meeting or a family reunion on Zoom or a baby shower on Zoom. That's, I don't know how that works, but we're doing it, you know? And if you're like me, sometimes you go and show up to your meeting and it's business up top. PJs down below. You know what I'm saying? Slippers, ain't no one going to know, you know? 
So, but we're thankful for cropping and framing because of, of things like uh, our profile pictures, our Zoom meetings. But here's the thing, okay? When it comes to framing, framing limits our perspective. Think about that for a second. Framing limits our perspective because you know, especially since I just told you that picture I showed you earlier, there's a whole world in that picture that we don't see. There's a whole world in that picture that you don't see. If we're not careful, if we view life through our individual frame of reference, it can limit our perspective. And here's a couple things that happen if we are limited to just our frame of reference, just our perspective, it can be so easy for us to be so hyper-focused on what's right in front of us. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes we need to be focused on what's right in front of us and just let everything else fall, fall to the wayside. But when life gets hard, when we've had a year, a 12-month period like we just had, where it is chaos, where there is uncertainty, where there is loss, where there is grief. And we've had trials and hard times, and we limit our perspective to just our frame of reference. Sometimes we can be so hyper-focused, and when that happens, we can lose sight of the truth, we can lose sight of God's goodness and his faithfulness. When that happens, we can lose hope. And we can forget that God is sovereign, that God has a plan for my life and for your life. Framing limits our perspective. So when we look at our life, when we look at the lives of others, when we look at everything that's going on, we need to view life from God's frame of reference. Now, you may be thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm not God, so how in the world do I do that? God's frame of reference, God sees everything, okay? God sees your past. He sees your present. He sees your future. And not just yours, he sees the whole world, past, present, and future. And he's got a plan for how it all works together. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And it, it, if you try to think about it too much, it kind of just blows your mind. Like I, I have a hard time keeping track of my, my three-year-old and my one-year-old. How in the world is God keeping track of all of these people and, how, and his sovereignty? How is he making all of this work together? I don't know. Because I'm not God. But if you view your life through God's frame of reference, you trust in him because you know that God has a plan for your pain. God has a plan for your blessing and your success. But when you view life from God's frame of reference, it enables you to submit to his will and to glorify him with your life, no matter what happens. And when you do that, you can see that God is using your life, whether in life or, or in death, whether the good times or the bad, God can use your life for his purpose. 
And the story that we're going to read in Genesis today is just such a wonderful example of what it looks like to view your life through God's frame of reference. We're going to look at the story of Joseph. If you have your uh, Bible, you can pull it out. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 50. Okay, uh, there's a Bible in the seats uh, in front of you if you want to grab one and, and follow along. The, the scriptures will be on the screen. But before we dig into the scripture, I want to kind of just paint the picture of Joseph's life. Okay, uh, we're talking about Joseph in Genesis in the Old Testament, not Joseph, uh, the, the husband of Mary, mother of Jesus. See, Joseph was the son of Jacob. Jacob, uh, uh, Gary talked about this last week, if you were here, this, this concept of reconciliation. Jacob was a part of uh, the family of Isaac. And so Jacob and Esau had this fight. And so Jacob was given the name Israel by the Lord. And this is, that's the beginnings of the nation of Israel through whom God promised the Messiah. And so Joseph is a part of this family. He's got uh, 11 uh, brothers, all the, the 12 tribes of Judah, uh, or the 12 tribes of Israel, as they would become. And so the thing about Joseph is Joseph was the favorite. Okay, Joseph was, uh, you know, the, 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 the brother that was stayed inside while all the other brothers went out and worked the fields and he was educated and his father made him, uh, he was so favored that his father made him an ornate robe. And some, we call it a coat of many colors sometimes, but it was just this very decor decorative ornate robe. And so it was really easy for his brothers to not like him. So there was that on top of that, Joseph had a gift to be able to interpret dreams. And so Joseph had this dream, a couple of them actually, where, short, long story short, his whole family was bowing down to him in these dreams. And he made the mistake of telling his family about these dreams, telling his brothers about these dreams. So on top of all of that, you've got these dreams that Joseph is having, and it's really really good concoction for everyone not liking Joseph very much. It got so bad that his brothers actually plotted to kill Joseph. I mean, I'm an only child, so I can't imagine this, but like if you've grown up with brothers or siblings, I'm sure you can get to the point where you're like, man, I just want to, I don't want to do that, you know, but to, but to kill someone, kill your brother? They threw him in a pit. They decided, hey, he's a brother. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery instead. And that's what they did. They sold Joseph into slavery. Joseph was carted off to Egypt. While he was in Egypt, Joseph was purchased by the household of Potiphar, a very, very powerful Egyptian official. And while Joseph was in Potiphar's household, because Joseph was educated, because he was a hard worker, because he was just good at, at uh, running a household, Joseph rose in stature in Potiphar's household. In fact, Potiphar made Joseph really in charge of the whole household. Potiphar wasn't the only one who took notice of Joseph, though. Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph, probably because Joseph had a really wonderful Facebook picture like we just saw earlier. But she advanced on him. And when Joseph refused, 
If you know the story, he says, I cannot do this to my God. I cannot sin against God this way. Through all of this, Joseph is still faithful to God. Well, Potiphar's wife didn't like being refused, so she framed Joseph. She accused Joseph. Potiphar throws Joseph into prison. So from pit to palace to prison, Joseph's kind of seen the ups and downs in this life that he's got. So while Joseph is in this prison, though, there's a couple of prisoners in there with him, the cupbearer and the baker for Pharaoh. Like two guys who are in Pharaoh's inner court, inner circle, go and they're in prison with Joseph. And while he's there, they have dreams. And Joseph, because of his gift, is able to interpret those dreams. Joseph interprets the dream of the baker and says, unfortunately for you, my friend, your dream means that you will be put to death. For the cupbearer, though, you will be released and reinstated to your position. When the cupbearer was let go, Joseph said, hey, please remember me, right? That's what I'd be saying too. Pharaoh eventually started having dreams. And he brought in all of these people to try to interpret these dreams that no one could. And so the cupbearer, hearing all these conversations, basically says, Master, forgive me, but I know a guy. They bring Joseph in. Joseph interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. And the dreams are basically this. There's going to be seven years of great wealth and prosperity and feasting and a good crop coming in, followed by seven years of severe drought and famine where the whole land will be ravaged. Joseph interpreted these dreams. Pharaoh saw something in Joseph. He took Joseph and put him in charge of that seven years of plenty to make a plan to, to, to ration out the good so that they would have something for the famine. And so when the, when the seven years of famine hit, they had these reserves of grain and food so much so that even people from around the world, around the, the, the surrounding nations, were coming to Egypt for grain. They were coming to Egypt really because they had no other choice, just trying to survive. You know who shows up in Egypt with Joseph in charge? His brothers. His brothers show up asking for grain. Eventually, Joseph confronts his brothers. Can you imagine the emotion behind that? He confronts his brothers and they reconcile. And Gary shared that, that message last week about just God is a, a supernatural God who is able to reconcile us. So they reconcile and they actually come to live in the land with Joseph they come and live off the land and, they, and Joseph takes care of his brothers and takes care of their families. And then we come to the point where we're about to read right now. Jacob, their father, father of Joseph, father of the brothers, has just died. 
And the brothers are wondering, okay, now that our father is gone, is, Jacob's, is Joseph still going to protect us or is he going to turn on us now that our last line of defense, our father, is dead? And so they come to Joseph with this fear and that's where we pick up the story. Genesis chapter 50, starting verse 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now that Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for the wrong that we did to him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. This is the continuation of this, this reconciliation and this remorse. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. They said, look, we are your slaves. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? And then he says this phrase, and this is the key phrase I want us to see. If you don't walk away with anything, I want you to walk away hearing this phrase. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Think about that phrase. God intended it all. You're telling me that God intended for Joseph to be in the pit? You're telling me that, that God intended for him to be falsely accused and thrown in prison? To suffer this this hurt and this grief from his brothers? You're telling me God intended all of that? Here's what Joseph says. And this is what it looks like to view life through God's frame of reference. Yes, you intended to do me harm, but God intended it all for good. Here's how I know that. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He brought me here to save the lives, not just of many people, but of you, my brothers, to save the lives of you, the nation of Israel, to save the lives of the people through whom the Messiah would come. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. It can be really easy to have a victim mindset, can't it? If I were in Joseph's shoes, I would have been looking up at God and going like, what in the world? What gives? Why am I in the pit and then I'm raising to success and then I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in prison again and now I'm raising to success? Like what in the world is going on? But here's a couple of things that we learn from this story. Okay, we see problems, but God sees purpose. 
It can be so easy to focus on what's right in front of us that all we see is problems. But God, because of his frame of reference, because he sees the whole picture and the whole plan, God sees purpose. A while ago, Hannah and I had a really rough time in our marriage. We were newlyweds. We'd only been married about a year and a half, almost two years. And I messed up. Let me rephrase that. I had been messing up for years and years and years. And finally, everything about my life and my sin and my addiction, everything had been brought into the light. And it was ugly. I didn't know if we were going to make it. That's how bad it was. There was brokenness. There was hurt. There were nights that seemed like they would, there, there were nights where it seemed like there was no hope. But God worked through that, through the hurt. Even though there were days where we'd be in the closet crying or I'd be curled up on the, on a, in a ball on the couch, just anxiety and depression and just shame and just hopelessness. But looking back, God brought us through that. Now, Hannah and I are closer than ever. We work closer than ever. Looking back, Hannah is able to use her experience to help other young women who have experienced the same thing she has. Through my experience, I'm able to help other young men who struggle with the same thing so that they can overcome. I won't say to you that I wish it, I wished it had happened, and I won't say to you that I would do it again, but I will say to you this. I'm so glad for where I am now. In the moment, all I could see was this, this problem, this brokenness in front of me. But as I look through my life, through God's frame of reference, like with this story that we just read, I see purpose. Because I see that God didn't just save me from something. God saved me for something. He's using my pain, using my brokenness for his purpose. In the moment that is so hard to see, But if you cling to him, you put your faith in him, he will use your life for his purpose, for his glory, whether in life or whether in death. And we see that all throughout the, the New Testament of people who have given their life for the sake of the gospel. And God has used that sacrifice for his purpose, for his glory. We share those stories with each other. We explore scripture with each other. We see problems, but God sees purpose. The other thing that we see through the story is that God is a God of reconciliation. You see, God reconciled Joseph to his brothers but God also reconciles us to him through his son, Jesus. 
You see, God used Joseph, one man who suffered, but then who rose to power to save the lives of nations. But God used one man, Jesus, who suffered, who died, but then who rose in power to save not just many nations, but to save the whole world now and forevermore. In Colossians, we read this about, G- about Jesus and God using him to reconcile all things to himself. Colossians 1, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. As Stephanie said, Jesus lived a perfect life, didn't deserve to be punished, didn't deserve to die. If I were in his situation, I'd be probably whining the whole time. It could have been really easy for Jesus to have that victim mindset, but Jesus was viewing the plan in his life through God's frame of reference. Jesus knew that God was going to use his life, his sacrifice for his purpose to save not just nations, but the world, to save you, to save me. It's been a hard year, hasn't it? This past 12 months, or maybe even this, just this season that you've been in, maybe you've lost someone you've loved. Maybe your marriage or your relationships have ended. Maybe you've experienced hardship. You've lost a job. Maybe you're just grieving because the routine that you once knew is different now, and you're wondering if it'll ever go back to being the same. I know it's hard. My encouragement to you is this, is that we need to view our lives through God's frame of reference. So how do we do that? You do that through reading scripture. You do that through, through reading stories like Joseph, where you look at his life and you wonder, man, if that were me, I'd be whining and complaining. But Joseph looked through God's frame of reference and saw purpose through all the problems. You read stories like Saul, who uh, became Paul, right? He was converted to Christianity. Saul, if you read uh, through his letters, you can tell he struggled with guilt and shame because Saul used to kill Christians. He was a persecutor of the church, but God used him and used his zeal and used his training and his knowledge. God used Saul to become one of the most powerful missionaries and leaders of the church as the church was getting started. Problems, purpose. Go read his word and read the story of Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. When Jesus predicted this, he told Peter, listen, you're going to deny me, but when you turn back, okay, this is before it happened. He tells Peter, listen, when you betray me, you're going to be restored. And when you turn back, when you are restored, strengthen your brothers. 
In other words, use your experience, your brokenheartedness, your denial, your betrayal of the Son of God. Use those experiences to strengthen the church, to strengthen your brothers, to help them through their doubt, to help them through their fear. To, to view life through God's frame of reference, you've got to view his frame of reference. The best way to do that is through scripture, through prayer. And then you need to be able to use your life and your experiences for his purpose. I know you've had pain in your life. We all have. But when we live our lives looking through his frame of reference, it opens our eyes to see the truth, to see what God sees. And when God sees our lives, he doesn't see problems. He sees hurt. He sees you. He doesn't want you to be hurting. He doesn't want you to suffer, but he uses all of it because God is in control. God is sovereign and he's good. So read his word, pray to him, talk to him, let him speak to you, and then live your life as a living sacrifice in the good and the bad for his purposes. Use your experiences to help someone else. When we live for him this way, two things happen. It brings about our good, whether in life or in death, and it brings about his glory. Guys, this has been a, such an incredible series. It's been a crazy year. But let's go forward throughout the rest of this year with an ever-present reset. Our will subsiding and lifting up God's will viewing our lives and our year and our schedule and our calendars and our plans and our goals through his frame of reference. All right, let's pray together. Father, we come before you, Lord. We love you. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a good sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Lord, we know that you see us. Lord, we know that you see our pain. We know that you see our brokenness. Lord, we know and we trust in you to use our life for your glory. So Father, help us open our eyes to see as you see, to view our own lives, to view the lives of others around us, to see from your frame of reference, Lord, so that we can glorify you with everything that we are. We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity.
Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.